Well, ladies and gentlemen, we finally say goodbye to Kern. And basically to Tony Todd. Have to admit, I got a little choked up, just, just a little bit, at seeing him go. Funny fact, apparently there was always the intention to try and bring him back and do something more with him. They just never got around to it. It's a pity, I can think of plenty of episodes where I would rather have the conclusion of Kern than what we actually got, especially in Season 6, and really especially in Season 7. But whatever. So, <sighs> right at the beginning of this episode, there's this bit where they, they apparently deliberately wrote this. They just wrote this thing where Dax would flirt with Worf, and he would kind of reciprocate. Now, they wrote that scene basically to test the waters, to see if they felt that Terry Farrell and Michael Dorn had any chemistry together and worked well together. Now, before I say anything else, what do you guys think? Do you think the two actually worked well together? For me, I don't think they worked badly, but I just don't feel any natural connection there. I don't feel any of the usual awesome chemistry or good dynamic or whatever. I don't know if that's due to the actors or to the way that the characters were written or what. It's just something that I've never really been able to buy. I don't know. Just my own thoughts on the matter. So, uh, yeah. Originally, when they first did the design of this episode, Worf never had any intention of killing Kern. And then they were just going to do the rest of the episode, which was described as being very by the numbers, which I have to agree, that would have been a very disinteresting episode. In fact, if anything, I feel like there are a few parts of this episode which are, well, to be perfectly blunt, a little bit lacking. And the B-plot about the mines is stupid. Like, it, it, it feels like complete filler. The Klingons are mining. Well, okay, that's not true. There's one scene which is actually not filler, and it's actually a really awesome scene, but we'll get to that in a moment. They're mining a star system. Um, which is stupid. I don't know how else to say that. Like, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I uh, have a little bit of notes here that I'm going to address here. Because I want to discuss something just really quick. So they're going to mine a star system, right? Now, first of all, obviously they just show a 2D plane of mines. Both when they detonate them, when they show the, the graphic, all that stuff. Now, obviously there's like typical in-routes and out-routes, right? So that makes a degree of sense. But if you're actually going to mine a system... I mean, this isn't Star Wars. People can go up and around things. Hyperspace routes aren't a thing. So, there's ways to, to, to get around a two-dimensional barrier. Let's assume for a moment they decided to go do the whole thing. Now, these are very, very rough estimates. But if we were going to assume a sphere of about 160 million kilometers in diameter, and we want to make sure that no, at no point in this sphere is there more space than 5,000 kilometers between a mine. So, the surface area here is 4 pi r2. R being the radius, which would mean the surface area of this sphere is about 80 quadrillion square kilometers. Now, that makes sense, because space is big, and, you know, that's how math works. So, in order to actually do that, we have to see how many different mines could possibly fill that, right? Now, obviously, curved space doesn't really follow the same rules as linear space, but for the sake of this uh, argument, this is going to be described as linear space. Which means, in order to have as enough mines to cover this entire sphere, assuming it was a sphere that was stretched out to a, a, a two-dimensional space, you would need 80 quadrillion, or, or excuse me, hang on, 80 quadrillion divided by 100 million. I'm reading this wrong. Which means roughly 800 million mines. 
800 million mines to mine a system. Now, if this already doesn't sound stupid, let's assume Garon has sent 100 ships. That's a huge fleet in Star Trek terms. 100 ships deploying these mines. Let's also assume they each one of them are dropping a mine every five minutes, which is very quick. How long do you think it would take for them to get the whole thing done? About 76 years. Space is big. <laughs> Mining a system is just so ludicrous of a thing. It's the kind of thing that a science fiction writer should do to demonstrate, to specifically demonstrate the sheer level of prowess and power that a specific species have. To be able to pull something out like that is insane. But no, they're just going in a circle around Bezier, which... <laughs> I mean, I, whatever, let's just move on. So that's why I say the whole the mining plot was stupid. But let's move on to the main plot. So, of course, Worf has been trying to contact Kern for months. And Kern is, of course, there and very drunk and says, Hey, kill me. End teaser. Now, there's this nice bit where Kern says, In being honorable in salvaging your honor. You have brought dishonor down upon the rest of us. One of the things I find most interesting about this episode is that point is never properly addressed. Now, it all makes sense. It's all very contiguous with the way that Klingon culture and society and politics work. The fake honor was pulled down upon the house of Moog so that Worf may maintain his real honor, right? The thing is, Kern, of course, doesn't see it that way for almost the entire episode. For most of the episode, Kern is perceiving this all through the lens of fake honor. The idea that the only the only reason Worf d did all this was so that he could have his fake honor within the Federation, and then we would all have to deal with our uh, fake dishonor because of his actions. It doesn't really click in Kern's mind that that's now not how the Federation works, and that that's not how Worf works. And that's a major point of contention for the, for the majority of the episode. He mentions that Gowron stripped them of power, land, and materials. I find myself curious how Gowron has the power to do this. The, cha the Chancellor of the Klingon Empire is not the supreme leader. The Chancellor rules at the... at the pleasure, I guess is the way I want to put that, of the Council and of the Great Houses. The Chancellor needs that support structure, otherwise he's got nothing. And so, Gowron has to have the support of the Houses, which again would make sense if the House of Moog, which is already semi-unpopular thanks to Worf in general, and thanks to the, the significant role they've had in, politi in politics for the last several years in the Klingon uh, Empire, but it would make sense if so much of the Empire is pushing for war, pushing for conquests, like I've talked about before, that the Houses are behind this action, not just because it'll get them some new resources and territories and acquisitions from the House of Moog, but also because it removes one more voice of reason from the equation. Because now, at last, we can go and crush! Remember, Kern himself said he was not in favor of this. And that means, thanks to his position and, and seat, the House of Moog as an aggregate, regardless of Worf, was not actually interested in war with the Federation and a continuing war of conquest. So, there's, there's this nice little bit where the runabout's going by, and the Klingons say, hey, go away. And they, well, we detected something. We have given you a warning in, in, in terms of interstellar agreement. Piss off. It's like, okay, wow, geez. Um, so then 
Quark is, of course, incensed because of the incense that he tried to get Worf, which was not the right incense. He tried to give him the replicated incense. And, of course, Worf's the kind of person who would be a stickler for that, especially given the circumstance. Then Worf goes to kill his brother. Now, I take severe issue with the idea of so many people calling this murder. This is not murder. This is killing. And whether you agree with the morality of that killing or not is debatable. But it is not murder. I'm, I'm actually kind of irritated that Cisco and everyone else in general takes such umbrage at this act. In fact, i got to be blunt, what I find funniest is if Worf had got, gotten away with it, I'm not even sure there would have been a consequence here. Or maybe if they just decided to go off into a shuttle and do it, you know, something, so that Kern could regain his honor. I'm not saying I'm super cool with the idea of Klingons killing each other. As has been said before, the Klingons have a little bit too much of a fascination with death, and I do think that is to the Klingon detriment. But, speaking as someone who has studied Klingons for a lot of his life, it still makes perfect sense that Kern, in this situation, would seek... <sighs> he says an honorable death, and he means fake honor, of course. But what is really important here isn't the honorable death or isn't the fake honor or anything like that. You could argue the religious symbolism, which is certainly relevant to Worf at the least. And Kern obviously believes he's going to Stovacor. But it's more about the fact that Kern has, by his own reckoning, lost everything and sees no purpose in trying to make anything new. Now, I understand that mentality. I have been there more than once. And as a consequence, I understand what it's like to just want to stop. Now, he doesn't kill himself, mostly for religious reasons, but you can tell he's thinking about it. But instead, he wants this last thing from his brother. I lost everything because of you. Please give me this back. And Worf says, okay, sure. And Worf does it, stabs him. Woo! There's this brief bit that I, I'm sorry, I have to comment on really quickly. Where, you know, they beam him straight to sickbay. It's good to see some good medical procedures. But also, Odo says, you better hope he recovers. You'll be charged with murder. Does the Bajoran government not have a charge for attempted murder? I'm just curious. <laughs> so, Cisco. There's a line Cisco has where he's actually upset that he has multiple officers defending Worf. I gotta be honest, I simultaneously like and dislike Cisco in this episode. I dislike him because I really feel like he's being excessively dismissive about something that matters a lot to multiple people, including one of his officers. It's not like this is some kind of, well, Kern decided he doesn't want to pay back his gambling debt, so I decided to kill him. You know, it's not something minor, you know? This is a huge deal to both of them. But at the same time, Cisco does something. He gets up and he starts shouting, and he says a line which is basically, I'm only willing to go so far to tolerate cultural differences. I like that. I know that sounds horrible to say that, because tolerance, respect, and understanding is something that I'm really big on, and Star Trek's really big on. But I'm also a firm believer of the fact that that does, that does have a limit, that there is an extent to which that's willing to go, and then past that extent, nah, 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 nah. I do think it's possible to be too tolerant, to be too understanding, to be too forgiving. I do think it's possible to take it to an extreme. And so I like the idea that he's willing to take a stand. I think he picked the wrong thing to pick a stand on, but I do like the, the, the idea in principle. I'm one of those people who's really upset at season one TNG when the Federation was like, oh, yeah, and licking everyone's boots left and right, rather than actually bothering to stand up, have a spine, and approach things as an actual diplomatic discourse. 
But anyways, so then we cut down to the point where Kern is part of the security task force. And he's apparently very good at his job. Then he gets shot. Now, what's funny about this is the way Odo says it is, and then Kern allowed himself to be shot. And Worf's like, huh? And Odo's like, Kern is a trained Klingon warrior who's very good at his job. The guy just had time to pull out his weapon, aim it, and then shoot him. And he, the only reason Kern even lived is because he was shaking as he was doing because he was so nervous about the action. You can't tell me Kern couldn't have stopped him. Kern allowed it to happen, which means he's off the force because I have no use for a suicidal officer. Which makes sense, actually, if I'm being completely honest. Although, to be 100% blunt, once again, I think that Odo is kind of doing the wrong thing in his own right here. I mean, I guess it's not his job. But all I'm saying is, if there is someone who is suicidal, as demonstrated by Kern, and your reaction is, all right, you're fired, and nothing else, maybe you have the problem there. Anywho, so, there's this really good scene where Kern is just swimming. I, I love Tony Todd, and he does an excellent job of it. Kern is just swimming in resentment towards Worf. And again, for the majority of the episode, it is because he presumes this is all about Worf's fake honor. Now, I keep using that distinction. They don't use different words. If Worf says it was the honorable thing to do, then Kern assumes it was the honorable thing to do. But what's happening is Worf is saying it was the real honorable thing to do, and what Kern is hearing is it was the fake honorable thing to do. It's, it's, it's different definitions. They mean different things by this. And then there's this really, really good scene. It's actually my favorite scene of the whole episode. It helps to sell the entire rest of the episode for me. Because Worf is there, and he says, Do you agree? with the idea of, of separating from the Kittimer Accords and, and, and provoking war with the Federation. And Kern says, it's not my place. And Worf just shuts him down. No. Do you agree? And then Kern says, of course I don't. Why not? Because Gowron's an idiot. He doesn't say that. Gowron and the Council think that the Federation are weak. They think they, they can provoke them. They think they can attack them. And they think they'll win this war that's coming. And Worf and Kern are both in agreement on something that makes a lot of sense that they won't, that a war between the Klingon Empire and Federation will result in the destruction of the Klingon Empire. I'm sorry, but that is just how it is, especially at this point in history, post-Wolf 359. This Federation, this Starfleet, is more than willing to fight back if pushed. And it won't be a quick, easy victory on either side. It'll be a long, brutal slog that will devastate the Federation and annihilate the Klingon Empire. And then the Dominion will just sit there being like, okay, that's all according to plan. They don't actually mention the Dominion in this episode, but they don't have to. This is, when, this is the first time that Kern starts to understand. This is when Kern really starts to see. Worf says, this is not about my honor. This is not about the Federation. This is not even about us. This is about saving the Klingon Empire. And he has a line, which I love. They turned their backs on us. We do not have to turn our backs on them. With that line, I think more than ever before, Kern really understands at least a fragment of his brother's mentality. Because this is Worf explaining what real honor means. 
that yes, you may hate me, and yes, you may vilify me, and yes, I may never get any rewards or any praise or any glory for doing this, but I'm still going to do it because it's the right thing to do. That's Worf. That's real honor. And so Kern goes along with it. But then we see the other side of the coin. That for all of his Klingonness, Klingonness, you know, I've talked up before about how Worf is a real Klingon. This episode is when Worf finally, truly, no really realizes that he doesn't really have a place in the Klingon Empire anymore. That he has simply changed too much from being a Klingon. He will always be himself, but he is, and forevermore will be, Spock. Caught you with that one, didn't I? See, Kern has always been a little bit more like... Ah, Sarek, or Tuvok actually might be a better example. Both of those are pure-blooded Vulcans, and both of them act like it, and both of them do a great job of it. Tony Todd does a great job of portraying a full-blooded Klingon. In fact, I would say Kern is one of our better examples of what a real Klingon should be like. But Worf is not a real Klingon. Oh, he was born to Klingon parents. He's not half-human. But he is, in every way, a hybrid, just like Spock was. And thus we see in Worf this idea of someone who is the best of both worlds. Someone who has actually become a merger of his upbringing and Starfleet and the Empire. And I think that's a good thing. The idea of showcasing Worf as this hybrid, I don't know what else to call it. And I may be a weirdo, but I've always kind of liked the idea that a hybrid tends to be, usually tends to be a good thing like we saw with Spock. Spock was clearly superior to humans, but arguably also clearly superior to Vulcans. He really did have the best of both worlds. I hate to keep referencing the episode, but I'm not doing it on purpose. The idea instead is the concept that led to the title of that episode, that you could take this mixture and make something better. And thus we have Worf. He laments it. He, he regrets it. But at the same time, when he pulled off his badge, he said, this is all I have. And, you know, Dax asked the question, is that enough? Worf doesn't answer, because he's not there yet. This is a new revelation for him. He's still processing it. But as he sees that, it will have to be. And that right there says everything you need to say about Worf. Because his sense of responsibility, of duty, and of honor, ensure, real honor, ensure that he has to keep going with this, because that is who he is, and that is what he has. Kern, of course, has nothing. This leads to the conclusion of the episode. Apparently a lot of fans dislike this. I'm actually probably in the minority here, because I think this is actually a very eloquent solution here. It's a little bit too easy of a solution, to be completely honest. Kern's got the blaster, disruptor, excuse me, he's trying to blow his head off. He asks, why is suicide dishonorable? What's funny is if you're paying attention, Worf doesn't answer the question. He just says, oh, well, suicide is dishonorable. He doesn't say it that way. Instead, he says, you know, you won't end up at Stovacor, blah, blah, blah. But he doesn't say why. We could argue the where's and the why for's, but I find it interesting that suicide is considered dishonorable in Klingon culture, given this, the Klingon fascination and love affair with death. So... <laughs> We see Kern literally crying. It's a subtle thing. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if most people missed it. Kern is crying in that final scene. And Worf is like, I... 
I'm sorry. I'm actually tearing up just a little bit because Kern says, I've never understood you, brother, but I know you are an honorable man. And I think in that moment, what Kern is saying, to use my own terminology, is I think you are a real honorable man. And Worf proves that he is. He calls in an old favor from an old friend of his father's and basically says, look, I'm going to erase my brother's memory. I'm going to do some surgery on him. I want him to be your new son. Raise him. Give him a Klingon life. Give him a Klingon home. Take him home. Worf will lose what is effectively the last of his family. Although there's still Alexander, which will be dealt with in the future. But, you know, <laughs> Worf, let's, let's just be blunt. Worf will effectively lose the last of his Klingon family with this action. He will accept the burden and pain of knowing that his brother is still out there and alive and has no memory of him because he has real honor, because in his mind, this is the right thing to do. Even though it hurts him, what matters is what's, re what's right for his brother, what's better for his brother. And unfortunately, this is the last time we see Kern, uh, ever, in the shows. In point in fact, Tony Todd does actually return in Star Trek Online as uh, uh, Rodek. We see him a few times, and it was great to hear him and see him there. And all I'm going to say about that without spoiling is that I feel they, as usual, did a pretty satisfying continuation of the current story arc. But that's the end of him for the show. I'm surprised by how much this episode hit me. I guess a few of the points hit a little bit close to home. I hope you guys enjoyed. I'll see you next time.